When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. All right, it's another film study. Here we are, going to do this again, another uh, bi-week roster evaluation episode. Ken McCusick, how you doing? Life's good, Josh. How about you? I am all good. Just counting down the Steelers night. And joining us, as always, is uh, Brian McFarlane from Russell Street Report. Brian, how are you? Good, gentlemen. How about, how about you guys today? Doing good all good. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. And of course, by of course, by Steeler night, I mean one o'clock in the afternoon, <laughs> because it's weird that a Steelers game is not a primetime game coming up. You're thinking of our Afghanistan watchers and whatnot who are who are rooting for the Ravens, and yes, it'll be nighttime there. 
All right. Well, I'm glad you got that math figured out. It would have been uh, at least five minutes of silence if I tried to figure out what <laughs> it was in Afghanistan. But, uh, but all right, real quick, my bookie, we talked about it yesterday on the show. We talked about it on Monday on the show. You're going to hear about it all week because we love my bookie. You guys know what my bookie is. It lets you put down some money on uh, all these NFL games, the World Series, the election, whatever you want. If you're the type of guy that likes to back big favorites, then consider putting a couple in a parlay for a much bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless games more exciting, but they also give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into real money makers. Because I'll tell you, you don't make much money betting on the Chiefs alone. <laughs> but if you combine the Chiefs with some other favorites, you can have a lot of fun doing that. So go on over and sign up at MyBookie. And when you do this, use our promo code, RAVENS, to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to a thousand bucks. And th th this is this is the part you just can't mumble your way through that and and not discuss that. A thousand dollar matching bonus. I mean, I don't know, but I'm a coupon Las Vegas guy. And when we when we used to go there regularly all the time, every time I had a chance for matching dollars or a free bed or this or that, we'd take every one of those. We'd paper out the whole strip to do it. Yeah, but you gotta use our code Ravens in order to get that dollar for dollar. So you do that, go on, hop on over there. You've got UFC this week. You've got the presidential stuff and elections. You've got World Series. You've got NFL, college football. I think is, is uh, this the Mike Tyson boxing match? Is that this weekend too? Oh, There's is it? all types of stuff that you can might – it might be the following weekend, but it's coming up soon. So you can bet on all types of stuff over at MyBookie. And make sure you use the promo code RAVENS so you get that dollar for dollar. And then they also know that you're coming from film study. Nice. All right. By weeks, roster evaluation. If you didn't listen to the previous episode, you might want to go back and listen to the defensive breakdown because we're about to do the same thing with the offense. Ken, how about those five categories again in case someone missed it yesterday? Real quick, we'll go faster. The young producer categories, guys who are on their rookie contract, you're not paying them a lot of money, but they're already starting or contributing significantly to your team. The developmental group, on their first contract still, but they haven't quite developed into that younger producer, young producer category. Something is holding them back. Uh, you want as many of those as possible too, because those are your chances to, you know, move up in class to that young producer category. Uh, veterans playing for market value. Uh, those are guys who, where you spend a lot of your cap will have a lot of players in that category. Uh, the next one down is veteran cap value concerns. You want as few as possible there. And then the last category is transitional. Those may be young, they may be older players, and maybe veteran players, but they're guys who don't really have a long-term future with the team. All right. As we're joined here by Brian McFarland to talk through this, and we're just going to start with the young producers, go one at a time. I do want to say in general, if you, if you looked at anything that related cap to production last year on offense, the Ravens offense was a complete outlier and historic in nature. Yeah, yeah, and I was just you know looking at your list, and it, it dawned on me how you know from the first time I did this four or five years ago with you, mm -hmm. sure how the it has totally flipped. How the defense was young, um, producer, producer, producer. The offense was old and non-producer, non-producer, non-producer. I guess we'll say, and, and there weren't a lot of young producers on offense. Um, and, and how, you know, you look at your list and that's, you know, that's a pretty good darn list. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a terrific list of eight players in the young producer category. First of all, that's a large number for either side of the ball to have eight guys who are effectively starters or, or you know, have a significant role in the offense or the defense for that matter. Uh, the defense, by the way, had three this year. And it's not like they're, they're, they're bad players. It's just, you know, it, it had two last year at the end of the year. But Humphrey and Clark both have now got their long-term deals in place. Right. right. And they've got three – you guys, it's the transitional nature of football. So let's just look at these young producers one at a time. Mark Andrews being the first alphabetically in that group. Obviously, uh, you know, terrific three-year career now as a tight end, and, and now the Ravens have to decide if they can afford to pay him. Yeah, and it'll be interesting because we've got a couple on the list here and in this group that will be uh, eligible for extensions after this season. But um, as we discussed about with the defense, you know, COVID, uh, the, the cap dropping to – um, you know, the, the, the floor being the 175. Um, so will some of these guys have to wait a year? Will they want to wait a year? Uh, because teams, um, teams can be creative. Uh, you know, the Mahomes deal was, was very creative as far as keeping uh, those numbers low. Um, Humphrey's deal that, you know, he just signed uh, last month did not change his cap number for this year and did not change his cap number for next year. Um, so keeping those, not that his cap number for next year was low necessarily, but keeping those lower um, over the next two years to, um, you know, to, to address this situation. So there are certainly ways to structure deals. You can re-sign guys, but you have to wonder if some guys are going to be, you know, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll wait a year and see what happens and, you know, hopefully put up the, the same or better numbers again, you know, same numbers again, or even better numbers. So, uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with, uh, with Andrews. Um, but yeah, I mean, he certainly earned it. Yeah. So most of these guys on this list are in their second or third year. Uh, there is one exception of a first year player we'll get to. Uh, Andrews is a player they could certainly extend after three years. I don't think anybody would have an objection to it. Uh, I just wonder if Andrews is going to want or if he's going to want to have more leverage after year four, but I guess we'll see. The other thing, it's not just more leverage. It's avoid the COVID year resigning that would be at a lower rate. Well, and that's true, but more leverage is correct also because you you know you've seen where Stanley waited till Tunsil got his deal, um, you know. So those are kind of things that players may not the play the players may not think about it, but the agents might. <laughs> and in this case, when you know with the Ravens having you know Andrews and Brown, uh, who we'll get to, um, and perhaps a couple other players, uh, you know, that will be coming up as free agents all at the same time you know, that creates a crunch sometimes. And, um, you know, so sometimes that's the advantage to get it done sooner, or sometimes, um, you know, sometimes it's, it makes you wait because, uh, you know, you're more important than, than he is. Now, sometimes teams will try to play them off of each other. So, I mean, it is certainly a, you know, a, 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 a balancing act, but um, yeah, but certainly COVID is a, I mean, and all of this is, you know, a huge deal. Ronnie Stanley already in his fifth year, so he's really in my veteran category. But I want to talk about him right now in terms of the playing off each other that you just mentioned. Do you think there was some of that going on between you know the the, the deal that could have gone done for Stanley and the deal that did get done for Humphrey? And, and I especially ask that because Humphrey kind of jumped the jumped cut the line a little bit at Stanley in some sense to get his deal a year earlier in the relative sense. You get 2017 draft pick versus 16. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, you, it's, um, 
you know, you don't know if that's what he wanted to do or if that's what the Ravens wanted to do. You know, if, if he maybe, you know, said, I want to get it done now, I want the security. Um, so, or whether, or, you know, whether he's just been amenable all along more. And obviously the, the Tunsil deal is a big issue um, for Stanley if he wants more than that. You know, Humphrey did take less than Ramsey. Um, so he didn't try to top the market. Uh, Stanley, there were reports that he wanted more than Tunsil. So um, I, that, that, you know, that then, you know, that kind of goes with our, you know, conversation about Judon last, uh, you know, with the defense. It's just, um, you know, sometimes they price themselves out and, you know, Ozzy was always good about, okay, you know, that's this, that's as high as we'll go. If you can find something somewhere else, more power to you, you know? Um, so I, I don't know, you know, if that's, I mean, you just never know and different agents handle it differently. Um, be really sad if Stanley's lost that way, but uh, you know he's a he's a Ring of Honor candidate who's ready to happen if he signs a second deal here. I think. Yeah, absolutely, and you know I'm in a question, and I you know I, I think right tackle is the better place for Brown, but obviously he you know he played left tackle in, in college, and you know is if, if the Ravens thought that he could switch over, that's you know playing you you know maybe all of a sudden he gets the extension. Um, and they, they, you know, they, they decide to go that direction. Um, I, you know, I, I, I prefer them right where they are. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Uh, so, but you know, but yeah, I mean, you just never know, um, you know, Orlando Brown has a family history here. So does that play into him wanting to be around more? Who knows? Yeah, it could be. Let's, let's keep moving on with the young producers. Cause I want to, I kind of just, uh, got us off self off track a little bit, but Bradley Bozeman and the next guy on the list here. It been sneakily very consistent for the last uh, 16 games or so. Not quite Marshall Yonda consistent, not quite Marshall Yonda good, period, but right. definitely very consistent over that period. Yeah, and I mean, that's, I think, what you, you know, I mean, obviously I think we now realize, you know, what the big loss, you know, that Yonda was a huge loss, um, you know, um, and not that we didn't know it was going to be, a you know, felt, but, I think I don't know that we knew it was going to be, you know, as good as the offensive line was last year. Uh, I don't think, uh, at least I didn't, maybe I'll speak for myself, but I didn't think it was going to be as such a difference. Um, so, yeah, you, you want, you know, and if you get your interior offensive linemen who are solid, I don't know, you know, however you want to define that. If he's so, if you consider him solid, you, you know, if you get three guys across the middle that are solid, you're in pretty good shape. Um, so, you know, now he was, he was a center in college, you know, is that something, um, you know, we're going to get to Skura, but is that something that, you know, Skura is going to be a free agent? Um, you know, is that, is that one of those trade-offs you make of, you know, we'll move Bozeman over and, you know, and then uh, we've got a lot of, I mean, we've got a lot of interior linemen at this point. So, you know, um, you know, is that something they'll look to, uh, you know, to move around? So that is, that's obviously one of the decisions, I guess the, the, the guy, he's the guy in the young producer group that I think there's the potential because he's not right at the top tier of players that you might get a value resign after three years from. So he's a draft pick. He gets, he's, he's subject to the three year rule, but this winter they could sign him say for three years for 15 million. Maybe that's not the right amount. Maybe it's, Maybe it's less. Maybe it's more. I'm not sure what the what the amount would be. Maybe it's maybe it's three years tacked on at 15 million after he plays out the fourth on his rookie deal. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, it, that's probably in the range, probably a little more. I'm thinking back to, uh, uh, the James Hurst contract, which kind of came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, 17 million for four years. Yeah. So, I mean, I would think it would have to be a bump on that. Um, given it's been what, three or four years ago now. Um, but you know, I would say, I mean, Hurst had one good year and, you know, I mean, assuming Bozeman can put another solid year together, then I would say he's more deserving than Hurst was. Hurst, uh, Hurst had the advantage of being able to be a swing tackle. So, uh, you know, not, and, and he played that one year really well, but that was to seem to be the outlier, uh, right. for his career. Where is he now? Uh, New Orleans. And he okay. just, week five, he came off of the suspension list. Oh, that's right. Cause yeah, that's right. He was suspended. I forgot about that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So sorry to go on that tangent, but no, yeah, it's... So I, I, mean, I think Bozeman, I think you've got, you know, I think, I think he would be a guy you you if you get him for the right price would be a good good resigning for sure. I mean, I like the, the early extensions where you could get a value are where I yeah. want to look. I, and and he's he's one of those. Marquise Brown, I don't think is going to be one of those, but he'll only, he's only completing his second year now. He's the next guy on the list. Don't think we need to really say too much about him. Obviously, the connection with Lamar is terrific, but uh, you know he's a, he's around for two more years, a number one draft pick. Actually, probably around here for three, right? Right. He can. Yeah. I mean, you've got. They'll, I mean, they've got control for the three. So they got plenty of time to figure that one out for sure. All right. Moving on, we've got Orlando Brown. We talked a little bit about, but he is a guy who, an 18 draft pick, who, again, could be a guy you extend at the end of this year. I just think his market value might be a little too high to get a real bargain. And if he if he wants to go somewhere else and be a left tackle, and maybe the opportunity to play as a left tackle occurs here at some point, perhaps due to injury, he might be better. He may might be better suited off to wait it out. Yeah, I think that's true, and obviously, because that that kind of thing allows him, um, you know, you know, if they you know if they tag Stanley next year, the only way he can do that is get if Stanley gets injured. But maybe that's where you don't, as you said, you don't jump if if they you know if the Ravens come with an offer next off season, maybe he doesn't jump because um, you know. He, the, he's got more leverage if he can show he can play left tackle um, and he's got more leverage. Um, yeah. I mean, he would just, ha- I mean, just be more leverage down the road for him for sure. Or if they, if they tag Stanley, you know, what's going to happen the next year, they're going to tag him again. And then, you know, Brown can, uh, you know, potentially argue with either, either I should be the right left tackle here or to another team, you know, he can say, I, I can play left tackle and you've got an opening and that's where you should sign me. And, Right, left tackles are more expensive than right tackles, so pay me. Yeah, there, there is a, there definitely be opportunities because there's a lot of teams always who need a left tackle who have get hurt, whatever. But they, but they need a left tackle, you know, very commonly. Um, moving on to the next player is J.K. Dobbins, the only rookie on the list. To me, he's an interesting case because he might not have made it right on his playing ability so far because he really hasn't got all that many carries. So far, but when he has carried the ball, he's been effective. When he's caught the ball, he's been pretty effective. Been more effective than I expected as a pass blocker. And I think more importantly, maybe for this list, is Edwards will be an RFA next year in a year where an RFA money has to be seriously considered. And Mark Ingram is really in that veteran cap value concern for me. Is that you know next year in particular they're probably going to have to cut him, uh, as I would see things. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's, um, yeah, I, I think, I think you got it because, I mean, Edwards is obviously 
all three years now, counting going back to his rookie year, but has shown he can, you know, other than for some fumbles here and there, um, which he seems to have corrected. But, um, you know, I think – and he got Justice Hill still around. Um, so for next year, if, if, um, if you hold on to Edwards and if, um, you know, and especially with his injury now, doesn't, doesn't seem to help out. But if Ingram is, um, you know, a cap casualty, you've still got your three guys, um, you know, in place, uh, you know, three quote unquote veterans. They're not veterans, but they, they certainly have NFL experience at that point. So, and, you know, Dobbins is, you know, projected to be a workhorse. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's um, now obviously the, you know, when he was picked, it was a little surprising, but, um, but you don't want to have to, I mean, you don't, you want to, I hate to say it, you want to, you, you want to run your running backs for four years and then find some new running backs. I was just going to say that, you know, the, I think the Ravens have learned their lesson on second contract running backs. Ingram obviously signed after, after not having a tremendous workload for his first seven years in the league or whatever it was before he came to the Ravens, but Dobbins had an outrageous workload at Ohio state, sure. including a 2000 yard season. So I, you know, I, I just, I, I don't, I wouldn't project certainly for him to go past those four years with the Ravens. And I think that that really makes sense at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And, you know, Ingram was, I mean, he certainly wasn't at the top of the market. I mean, I thought that was a, I thought that was a great deal. Um, mm-hmm. And out, and you know they can get out of out from under it, and we'll we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll yeah. get to that. But you know that's 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 something that it was that that's part of it being a great deal. Yeah. All right. Well, Gus Edwards is going to be an interesting thing. Do you think he might be a candidate to come back for less than the uh, tender amount for a second round player? I would be surprised. Um, obviously, it it would have to be the second round. Um, although you know the Ravens have done this before you know put a put the well actually they can't because it's undrafted so there's no compensation but um a low you know, tender yeah they've, they've done low tenders before but that's that was with lower dra- low round draft picks. this would so, give you the right to match though you're right low tender, yeah. right and yeah granted you get some wiggle room there okay we won't match but you know you got to trade us a you know six round pick but is is you know would you rather i mean where they are now and where they expect to be next year do you want a six round pick or do you want Edwards? So um, in that kind of scenario. So I, I think he's going to get to get the second round. Um, seems a little high, but uh, especially, I mean, if, if Ingram's gone, then you, you're putting a second round on him. Right. Yeah. It's, and it means, it does mean you still have to make a pretty significant salary uh, cap contribution at running back. Uh, you know, I'm always not crazy about this in terms of the draft capital spend either, because they went for a running back and two inside linebackers, th- you know, three positions that I would argue are great ones to uh, conserve cap at. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on. Lamar Jackson, obviously, uh, you know, will we'll get a big contract. Do you think it will be after this year or after year four? You know, I, without COVID, I would have said it would be after this year. Um, but again, I don't know if that's one of those where, you know, and I think the Ravens should probably want it sooner rather than later, given, you know, his running style. You know, I mean, the, the, certainly there's, yeah, I mean, I, 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 people argue both ways, but I, you know, I think there is more of a chance of injury the more he runs. So, um, 
you know, you'd probably rather get him signed sooner, figuring that he might have a, you know, not as long of a career as some quarterbacks who are, um, you know, staying in the pocket and, and not, you know, exposing themselves to, you know, um, you know, worse hits from, you know, an angle that they're not expecting, so to speak. So, um, so I, but, you know, again, with, it's so hard to say with COVID, it's just, you know, we just, it's just, um, you know, his cap number is still low next year. So the rate and that on the, that's the other hand, the Ravens are probably rather, you know, in the COVID year, keep it right where it is, you know, and say, look, you know, next off season being the following off season, I should say that, you know, we're going to make this right, but you know, we we're looking at a Super Bowl this year and, you know, but the, with the cap coming down, we just need to wait a year with you. And if we have to franchise, um, Stanley and if we, or if we have to, uh, franchise Nagakwa, you know, we, we just, we can't, we can't pull this off unless it's a really super team friendly structure, which is probably unlikely to be what Lamar's looking for. <laughs> now that said, we wouldn't expect the same sort of deal that the chiefs gave Mahomes, where there's a 10 year extension to the two we already had still left, no. but it, would that structure, would a five-year extension say to the two he already has left, be a reasonable thing to meet both needs of you don't want to bet forever on Lamar Jackson, but you also would love to uh, sign him for, for a, a relatively long period of time and keep the cap value somewhat low for these first two years of the deal? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, the longer the longer the deal, the more the bigger the signing bonus can be, and things like that, because it's getting spread out over time. So, you know, in most of these most of these contracts, and Mahomes might be different just because of the length of it, but in a lot of these, whether it's Watson or or, or Wentz or the guys or Golf who went the year before, um, and you look at Roethlisberger's contract, I mean. And, and Breeze and Brady. I mean, they were all being redone. The Flacco deal was redone after three years. So those kind of deals generally get redone just because of the structure of them. And at some point, we need more cap space. And, you know, he's got a $25 million salary. And that's a great place to go get cap space from. Mm-hmm. Um, so then it gets restructured. Whether it gets extended or not, that usually doesn't happen until later in the deal. So uh, that's why most, contract, most quarterback contracts are going to be longer. You know, they're going to be the, the and, and adding five to two more. So it's a seven in total that that's probably reasonable for Lamar. You know, I think Wentz or when he was golf, I think golf added, uh, he added like six to the remaining two. So, I mean, I think it was longer, um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, but that just, that just allows you to, to exp- extend some of the money out. But in those last years, once all the guaranteed money's gone, it doesn't really mean anything. And that's when it's going to get ripped up anyway. Right. All right. Well, it's interesting because you, you mentioned Roethlisberger here, but the Steelers, I mean, they, their cap situation obviously is a complete mess for next year. And, you know, one of the things about it, I wish Roethlisberger were playing worse right now that I was more excited about this being the case. But if you talk to Steelers fans, they say they're going to need to extend Roethlisberger just to reduce his cap number for next year. Period. Yeah. 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 Unless he retires. Um, but yeah. But that that then you know that creates more dead money down the road. But depending upon how he structures it, maybe they can uh, set it up so that it's not so terrible, um, and it can reduce some of that uh, dead money down the road. I mean, but that's but yeah, I mean, so the Steelers do contracts differently 
Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, honestly, I've heard for not to go on a tangent here, but I, you know, years for years, it's all oh, the Steelers next year. It's, they're they're going to finally have to pay the Piper. Finally have to pay the Piper. Well, they don't, their contracts aren't, they, they don't give a lot of guaranteed money up front. So they have a lot of wiggle room, but they give high salaries. So they have a lot of wiggle room in those salaries over the years. Um, whereas the Ravens used to, and now they're doing better with these now, but we, some of the, like, um, Haloti Nada's contract was kind of what I would call pre-restructured because it was so low for so many years mm-hmm. that it was almost like you could have given it more, but you just restructured it. So, you know, but then that's what, but at the end of it, they, you know, they had to do something and they wanted, you know, they didn't want to get rid of him, but they couldn't work out a, a numbers on an extension. So they had to, you know, had to trade him. So that's the, you know, so now the Ravens are doing more flexible, adding more flexibility into their contracts. Although we'll see this next batch with COVID, who knows that that may be a little different where they go back to two or three years of really low numbers and then they really jump up. Yeah, I, I, I would like them to see them keep the contend every year, I'll call it methodology of levelizing contracts and trying to stay ahead of it. Because it's when you then get a windfall of dollars, you can use it to sign a Chuck Clark or a Pat Ricard contract that ends up being a real value. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, All I mean, right, well, they'd be in, they'd be in great. I mean, if they if this cap was going to be two hundred fifty fifteen million like expected, they'd be in great shape. And most of these names we've talked to over these you know two episodes, I mean, they could sign most of them. <laughs> you know, even the big guy, all the big guys together. I mean, it wouldn't be can we keep Judon and can we keep Nagakwe? It might be y- yes, both. You know, yeah. so but that's you know such as life. All right. So the last guy on the young producer list is Matt Skura. Obviously a sad story for him because he was going to be in a position to, to go into his final season. Uh, well, this year was is his fourth year, correct? I think that's right, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. He's, on, he's on the RFA um, uh, contract this year. Uh, okay. And so he'll, he'll, might have, he's a player who might have a chance to walk. I, I think the interest is going to be less in him now after the in- injury, but his, his grading has not been bad this year at, at center, not, not as I do it anyway. And, uh, you know, is it, do you think he's a guy the Ravens may find a way to keep around, or do you think he's a, more likely to not be in Baltimore next year? Well, I mean, obviously with the injury, it depends on how the, you know, I hit the most important games for him or, you know, the next 10, because um, you figure he's, you know, had time to get up to speed and not having, again, not having a training camp and that kind of stuff didn't, certainly didn't probably help him. Um, so I, given the, amount of interior i mean you know they just uh you know they added you know they've added linemen over the last couple of years in the interior for the draft um you know i, I think skirt probably fits that right player right price category especially that ozzy was so fond of you know saying um and if they get him for the right price sure but if 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 somebody's going to offer him more than their price then you know, we'll move on to the, you know, to the, the, the younger guys who are here for a reason. And hopefully, you know, they believe in them. And hopefully those are guys that uh, can step up if need be. All right. All right. So that takes care of the young producer group. Let's look at the developmental group and the offense. 17 guys in these top two groups. So it's still a lot of youth on this team. A lot of it is already producing, but there's still a fair number of guys behind them, particularly on the offensive line, but also at receiver who are in the developmental category. Some of that good, some of that bad. 
The first name on the list is Miles Boykin, who it's probably bad that he's still in the developmental category at this point, as opposed to being a producer. Yeah, I mean, he certainly has the opportunity. um, And he's certainly the, you know, the the type of receiver. I mean, there's definitely a role for here for him as the, you know, the big receiver. Um, But for whatever reason, he, he, I mean, he's, she's shown some flashes here and there, but for whatever reason, he and Lamar just do not seem to be on the same page. And, um, you know, that doesn't bode very well. Um, so, um, you know, then you look at Chase uh, Claypool and because uh, um, they both went to Notre Dame, didn't they? Right. Yeah. So you look at him, go, you know, uh, I don't know how he, I didn't notice how he did today, but, you know, setting the world on fire in Pittsburgh and you think we got the wrong Notre Dame wide receiver, big, big Notre Dame wide receiver. So, um obviously the small sample size for both of them at this point but um so um yeah i mean he's he's got every opportunity but you know if he doesn't if he doesn't hit it this year you got to wonder what what they'll look for be it in the draft or as a as a veteran next year again depending upon cap considerations well you know in there've been two not so subtle moves one a little bit more subtle than the other but devin duvernay got 26 snaps this last week that's yeah. up from, you know, getting five, eight snaps a game kind of thing. And so right there, you're hearing something about, you know, wanting to get Duvernay more involved in the offense, which really means getting Miles Boykin less involved. Miles yeah. Boykin been a terrific run blocker, mm-hmm. just Absolutely. does not seem to run routes in the way that is expected. And it, the only way, I think the only way they're going to get him back in is if they start scheming trust throws for him, meaning – Scheme throws where Lamar has to put the ball up to a specific spot on the field and Boykin mm. knows where he has to get to or back shoulder or whatever it might be. Right. But figure out a way to scheme those in to then, you know, you don't want to have to force a bond by trust because that's not how trust works. But, but right. <laughs> you almost have to create opportunity for it. Yeah. And, you know, maybe that's one of those, you know, lack of OTAs, you know, has really affected it. But um, yeah, I mean, I had, I mean, you know, I, I, he, and he had a great preseason last year, you know, so he really, and they, you know, he kind of faded during the season, but uh, I think some of that was just Lamar, you know, having uh, you know preferential targets, I guess we'll say, but I mean, this year, and that may still exist, the preferential targets still certainly exist, but every time he's tried to get the book and it's just not happening. Right. They've, the only good thing I've seen is Boykin has been involved in some extended plays this year to a greater rate than he was last year. That's Those are good ways to build trust. Be in the right place when Lamar is under pressure to then make a throw to him. That I, I think there have been some good examples of that earlier in the year. But uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just it's not a good thing that he's here. You, know, you talk about the offseason a little bit. I just want to spend a little more time on him because he got a jugs gun. He bought that for himself. I thought that was a great uh, – sign that he would he would take a step forward as a receiver i think he needs a receiving coach somebody who tells him more about footwork and running routes this offseason and then also probably needs to spend time with lamar catching the football with him from him yeah yeah and i mean that's you know that's a lot of the you know the second year guys um you know they always say that the 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 big jump is supposed to happen that first you know getting a full offseason and, you know, a lot of these guys obviously didn't, I mean, these guys didn't get that. So, um, you know, whether that's, and he may have been just one of those guys that really needed it. 
as far as the, I, mean, I think you're right, the nuance, you know, of route running and things like that, um, which, you know, a lot of these guys in college, they just, you know, especially when you're six, four, big as he is, he just outmuscled people and outran people. But it's that nuance of the game that now you're going up against, you know, these corners that are, are just terrific. And, you know, you've got to, you got to up your game too. There you go. All right, let's move on to the developmental guys. And we get into the first of the offensive linemen, Ben Bredesen, a short-armed player. I think the Ravens probably see his future at center, which might have something to do with Skura. There's been talk of moving Bozeman. I honestly think that's probably less likely to happen. I think they're more likely to stay with Bozeman at left guard and have one of these next two guys on the list, being Bredesen and Tristan Colon-Castillo, be the guy who ends up being the center for the Ravens or Skura to leave. Yeah, I think that's probably, I mean, they, you know, they, while they like to have flexibility and, you know, in training camps and, you know, things like that, they would always move the offensive linemen all over the place. Um, I think once they get into their role, so to speak, I don't think they want to mess with that. Um, you know, and I think we, you know, that's why last year when Skura went down, I think, a lot of people, myself, I'll say at least, thought that that would they'd probably move Powers into guard and move uh, Bozeman. And Bozeman over to center. And of course, they brought Makari in because they wanted to keep you know guys where they've been practicing for a long time and where they were comfortable with them. So, so I, and obviously, off season's different. You can make that change a lot easier at that point. Um, but if Bozeman's still playing as well as he is, it, you know then he should be the right guy, guard, and, you, you, you know, whether it's one of the guys they have or somebody else, you, you find, you find, you'll find your center if it's not going to be Skura. Right. I, I'm, uh, I'm basically feeling that same way about it is that they don't like, they definitely don't like anything but a one-for-one one change during a game if they can avoid it. And yeah. they had the, they had the not one-for-one one change at tackle to move Orlando Brown over to the left side for one game. Even that, that's very non-Raven-like. They would, you know, past they would if they had James Hurst, they just stuck him in at left tackle, no, exactly. even though it probably would have been worse than having yeah. Orlando Brown at left. Yeah. Tristan Cologne. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say I think it was worse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably worse. <laughs> Tristan Cologne Castillo, uh, interesting move recently because he was brought onto the 53 man roster, and I thought, oh well, then he must be active for today because otherwise there's no other reason to bring him up. But it turns out. Someone was sniffing around trying to get him, and he's still inactive on game day after being elevated to the fifty-three. Yeah, yeah. So they, yeah, so they, they, uh, well, they, they, yeah. So that the first time was ele- they elevated him, and then that Monday they signed him to the fifty-three. So, uh, and I think Jeff Drebeck had had said that uh, that the rumors were somebody was sniffing around. I mean, he was there. I, I you know, he was one of their top uh, undrafted free agents as far as guaranteed money and uh, and signing bonus. So. Um, you know, they clearly liked him, uh, liked him a lot. And, uh, you know, that the, some of the roster flexibility allow them. I mean, I think he was protected the first couple weeks too. Um, and then, but, but even when you're protected, there is a small window. Um, so I think you protect players on Tuesday, uh, for the following, for that week. And the game, if the game's over or Wednesday, if you have a Monday night game, but so there is a window on Monday. If you're playing, if you played on Sunday, um, where those practice squad guys aren't, aren't protected anymore, quote Is that protected. true? Okay, because I assumed it was a Tuesday to Tuesday production protection. No, no, that that Monday is is um, is open. The idea is, it's. I mean, it, it's really 
I think that it's really supposed to be not about protecting players forever, but about protecting them for that week because of injuries and you might need to bring that guy up. I think that's, I think that's the theory behind it. Put it that way. Okay. Uh, I, I'm, I don't using it that way, <laughs> you know, but I think that was the theory behind it. Okay. I don't, I no longer see the value to protecting a long snapper. If that's, if that's really the rule. And, and, and here's my thinking that you, if all you're really doing is protecting the chance of a long snapper injury, between Tuesday and Sunday, well, that gives you six days of protection. Okay, let's look at it that way, or five days even. But the rest of the league is what you got to be worrying. And they have, you know, 32 Mondays or 32 Sundays more significantly where they're taking long snapper injury risk. And then on Monday, they might gobble up your long snapper. 31 right. other. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, 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 it may be just the idea that getting a long snapper off of the street is harder to do than getting a punter or a kicker off the street. I, I don't know that. I, I'm just, that's just a, a thought. Um, and it may be that they just really like this kid. Um, and maybe they see him as, you know, a potential future. Yes. Um, you know, and maybe, uh, you know, I, I think, um, I think Cox is a free agent after this year. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Cox. Um, so, you know, maybe they, I mean, I know that, you know, in the past they've brought in undrafted, you know, long snappers and I'm trying to remember the one switch, but it was, they just given the one guy an extension. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch. Now starting at just two eighty eight dollars a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Here before. And then he got beat out, which was, you know, because we don't see that's one thing we especially don't see, um, you know, as fans to, to know, you know, that that was coming. Um, you know, we know when we get we don't get we don't get many, uh, you know, in the notes reports about the long snappers, how they did that day at training <laughs> camp. So, um, you know, so so that maybe that's just maybe they really like the kid or like I said, maybe it's just that, you know, he's good. He's that good, whether he's the potential future here or not. But he'd be way better than somebody they'd have to pull off the street. Right. And thinking back, the, my essay was a guy that they drafted and it was a fifth. He was, he the fifth round guy or was the 2001 guy they drafted was like a fifth round guy. That was him. Yeah, that was him. And he got beat out. They, so he finished his rookie deal or maybe even with, maybe he was even in the third or fourth year. I mean, I don't think he finished his rookie deal, but I, so I think they gave him an extension early um, and it wasn't big, but, and mm-hmm. then, like the next year, I can't remember the guy. The guy was here for a couple of years, but he got he beat him out. And actually, Macy never went anywhere. I mean, I don't think he, I think his career was pretty much done. So, hmm. um, I, he was small though, if I remember correctly. He was, he was like two fifty. Um, so maybe that was part of the reason. I can't remember the name of the guy that replaced. Yeah, him. no, the guy, the guy they replaced him. They wanted to put in at right tackle one game. He was down. He would have been the next guy up. So he's a little bit larger guy, maybe tight end size, yeah. but still was. And, and I'm trying to remember the guy's name. It might begin with a K or an L. And I'm. I'm uh, yeah. Okay, well, it's going to drive me nuts yeah. now. But <laughs> Josh, can you look that up for us? Well, he's okay. We'll ask Josh to look it up for us when he uh, when he gets back here from 
from his break. Um, so Colin Castillo, anyway, a, a guy who may be competing for a spot in camp next year. Next guy on the list is Devin Duvernay. Obviously, he's had more uh, snaps these last couple games. Every time he touches the ball, it seems to be an electric offering here. Definitely somebody, somebody, everybody wants to seem to see more of him. Nobody really seems to have a great plan for exactly how to do that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and then maybe that's a, you know, maybe this is his role now just to be that kind of utility guy, so to speak. And, you know, I'm, I'm assuming he is, you know, Willie Sneed will be gone next year and that he's going to assume that slot role on a, you know, uh, a permanent basis, so to speak. Um, with the opportunity to, you know, run these, um, you know, jet sweeps and things like that, where they can get him more involved that way. Yeah, that, that certainly makes a makes a lot of sense. Hey, Josh, we got a little project for you while you're while you're waiting there, and that is, who was the long snapper for the Ravens after Joe Maiese? And Joe Maiese, we think it was done in about 2005 or six for the Ravens. All right. All right, I'm on it. <laughs> Thanks. It's it's uh, Cat, up Catula up. second. Yes. Matt Catula. That's the yep, guy. Matt Catula. There you go. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, they've only had so. Sorry to go on tangents, but the first snapper when they got here was the tight end Brian Kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he didn't last forever because Kitchen, I think, was only here through '98 or '99. Yeah, I'm trying to think who was the. Then they had to have somebody through the Super Bowl year. And then they, you know, in 2001, Mace came. I know one year somebody got hurt, and the guy they brought in was terrible. And I, he basically lost us a Steelers game. Um, mm. he, he, he fired, I mean, his snaps were horrible, and we, we muffed two punts because of it. Um, you know, two punts didn't get off, or they got blocked because of it. Um, and it was one of those typical, you know, 1310 Steeler games and but for those um um I don't so but yeah I mean so but since May East since 2001 there's been three yeah that's a that's a uh not too much turnover that's for sure probably 10 of the probably 10 of those years but all right let's keep going here after Devin Duvernay Justice Hill obviously is a a player who we expected more from last year hasn't got back on the field as a running back yet uh, in 2020, although he's made some impression as a gunner. In fact, so far, he's been really keeping Chris Moore off the active roster, I think, because he's the gunner they're using along with Devin Duvernay. Duvernay's role as gunner, not in any jeopardy right now. He's been yeah. terrific. Uh, yeah. Justice Hill has been also very good. And, and Chris Moore, even though the finger seems to be healed, not ready to get back on the field. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, um, because that was uh, he certainly wasn't resigned to be, you know, for his wide receiver skills. Um, he was he was cl- clearly just depth there. And, you know, the main his main calling card was the uh, was being uh, the special team. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we kind of when we were talking about Dobbins, um, it depends on, you know, he'll he'll make well next year. I mean, it'll be his third year. I mean, he went he may well have a role come back into play. Um, when, you know, if, if, if either Edwards or, or, um, or, um, Ingram goes, um, you know, then he's the, he's the, the incumbent third, I guess we'll say at that point, third Mm -hmm. back. So, um, so this may be just, you know, his year off, so to speak from running back duties, unless there's further injury. Um, but I think, I think there still could be a role for him. I'm still though waiting to, I mean, you know, 
speed was supposed to be his thing, and I've just not seen it translate to the field. Um, I, I hear what you're saying. Part of it is he hasn't been a good receiver. And right. so that's that's been a that's been a real negative, frankly. And he's been more a powerful runner when he's actually gotten a few chances to run, like against the Steelers last year. I think he's looked real powerful as a runner. But I agree, he hasn't he has not really shown the speed that we were uh, uh, we were yeah. told to expect. Now, you know that sometimes that's just you know straight line speed versus football speed being different. And um, you know you hear with some guys that are just supposed to be lightning fast, but it just seems like when they put the football in their hands, they're not as lightning fast. Yeah. It is. It is. It slows you down. There's no, no doubt about that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Let's uh, move on. Slows some down more than others. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Patrick McCary next. He has not graded well by my system. He didn't grade well at guard last year. PFF likes him a lot more than, than I do. Uh, I have a different pressure standards some different rules I apply to how blocks are, are done, but still I'm surprised there's as much of a difference. Uh, the last game he actually scored zero on 14 snaps. So that's not a good, uh, not a good place to be. Uh, but a versatile interior backup. I think one of the nice things about having Patrick McCary on the roster is you can put him in at guard or center with a drop off of play, and you can make a one for one change more easily. Yeah, I mean, and he's you know he's going to be he's going to be that I don't know eighth, ninth, tenth lineman always, um, probably, but. He, you know, as long as he's on his rookie deal and he's cheap and, you know, even beyond that, if he comes back for the veteran minimum, I mean, he's a guy that, you know, you'd like to have around because you feel comfortable enough with him uh, if you have to insert him. So, you know, I mean, there's, there's a place on this team for him, um, whether, you know, whether he's just, you know, a starter ever again, or only a starter because of injury, uh, you know, that's fine, but there's, you know, there's still something to be said for a guy that you feel, you know, relatively comfortable with and who's going to know the system and be comfortable with his teammates and things like that. So at least for the next, you know, the rest of this year and two more, he's probably an easy guy to have around though. He was an undrafted free agent. So So one more. So, right. So he would be, yeah. So they'd have to make a decision. um, And assuming he is what he is now, he's not getting an RFA tender, but he might be one of those guys that gets the, you know, the two year uh, lesser money deal, but you know, cause he, cause that may be all he can afford, you know, all that anybody's going to pay him. Well, one of the things that's been real nice about his play and I, and I, you know, I'm not, I, I can't praise him for everything he's done, but one of the things that's been really nice is he's one of the guys who can step in at center and give you a very consistent shotgun snap. And the Ravens had him, I believe not in 20, but in 19 do basically all the shotgun snaps he could during camp. And okay. you know, Skura has actually had some some problems arise with the shotgun snap that PFF grades him down for. Uh, it's not okay. it's actually not part of my system. It would only come up on a on a subjective adjustment. Uh, but but it's interesting that that you know we'll often have a difference. And I'll ask them, and, the, and he says, "Well, we graded him down for two shotgun snaps. You know, right. we're, we're way offline." So uh, you know, it's interesting that, that that comes up. But anyway, that's a nice nice proposition with him. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Move on with Tyree Phillips here. Uh, for my money, he has not yet lost the job. Uh, I don't think the, the rest of the competition, honestly, has has won it yet. And, and you know, there's the backup quarterback's always the most popular guy in town, unless you live in Baltimore where the backup left guard is, or the backup right guard is the most popular guy in town. And Ben Powers hasn't seen enough of the field. And when he has been on, people feel like he's been great. I think he's been quite good when he's, when he's been on the field, the, despite the holding penalty uh, recently. 
but there's a reason why McCarry is playing ahead of him, and and it's it's a it's practice and what the coaches are seeing. There has to be something they don't like about Ben Powers. Yeah, there. I mean, there, there does. Um, you know, and last year, yeah, obviously it was why isn't he why isn't he in? And you know, part of it was you know at least the the, the word or justification was that you know. He was back at that point, you know, he, they did, he was backing up at one position and they, they didn't want to move him somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he played in the, well, I guess the last game of the year, he played pretty well. Uh, I think, I think he graded pretty well in your system. Yes, he did. Hey. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I agree. There's gotta be something. Cause I mean, he, he's, you know, there's a rookie playing in front of him um, who wasn't on the team last year, who didn't have a training camp and didn't have OTAs. And play tackle and, in college. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and, and he hears the, you know, heir apparent, so quote unquote. And um, he wasn't, I mean, really didn't seem like he was in the conversation. It was good, you know, um, at all. Fluker or, you know, or, 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 and Phillips came in, you know, it seemed like it was Fluker. Then Phillips came in later uh, as, you know, the guy that was going to be. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would, I would, agree that seemingly it's got to be something about practice. Cause I mean, that's something that Harbaugh has always said. If, you know, if you don't practice well, how do we know we can trust you in the game? So. So anyway, it's, uh, I, I think he is a guy who there's less of an excuse for this year because with eight offensive linemen required among the 48. And I don't know if you saw the, the Browns and Bengals game here, but the Bengals actually got down to their eighth offensive lineman today. They had two, two more injuries on the line. Actually, they had three, I'm sorry, three injuries on the line, which made number eight play. So wow. a, a Jenny or somebody was in at right tackle for Bobby Hart, which is probably not a downgrade at all because Bobby Hart's terrible. But yeah. they, 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 they were down to the, to the very end of their offensive line. And, and this the, that's the first time I can remember it happening. Like I, we, uh, NFL teams have carried seven for so long, and yet I never can remember a non-offensive lineman being asked to play the offensive line. We always talk about it like it might yeah. be a chance, but I don't know who it would be. <laughs> yeah. A tight end, or or you might have or, to bring a defensive long. lineman, Pat Ricard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. true. Yeah. Well. So anyway, there there be ways they address it. But anyway, Powers' case, I think with the eight offensive linemen really reduces a lot of the excuse because you've got the one for one position. He can be the one for one at guard, and McCarry can be the one for one at center, and you can still have a one for one at tackle. I guess that's Fluker. In, mm-hmm. in this case. So it's not like he, he shouldn't be active, but at the end of camp, there's even talk about him being caught. Yeah. So something's not right there. All right. James Prochet, relatively little opportunity so far. Obviously what he's got is on special teams. He hasn't been a bad punt returner outside of one punt that he let roll a lot of additional distance. The first uh, one, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. The very first one. Exactly. Uh, has, has only just played a handful of snaps on offense. And, and what I really like to see out of a guy who's a return man is that he's also getting some snaps on offense in kind of the Duvernay role or, or a, you know, a gadget play role where they're trying to fit him in. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, he's a six round pick, so you, you can't, ex- you know, you'd like to see, you know, him, him hit the ground running, but you got to expect that. Um, you know, I think he was drafted for the, the return man role more than anything. And, if you're going to get, um, you know, a little more out of him, anything else out of him offensively. And, I'll, you know, he's, he's supposedly has great hands, which is always good, you know. Um, but he's also more of a slot receiver. So, you know, that puts him behind Duvernay probably in the pecking order anyway. Um, but, you know, it's as long as at this point, because 
you know, our return game has not been the greatest. And, you know, I mean, I oh, got that, that new England game last year, obviously in the end, it didn't matter. But uh, when um, the kid from Alabama put the ball on the ground, Cyrus Jones, we're up, we're up 21, nothing or 14, nothing at that point, I think it was 14, nothing. And, you know, we all momentum in the world and, you know, it just spun the game on its heels and, uh, with a team like that, that's not what you want to give them the opportunity. Um, so it, it's nice to have a, a more shorthanded guy. And I know that the, the, they were the um, the brass was really high on him, and they wanted they were trying they want they were thinking about taking him earlier. Um, and then you know, but he was luckily that you know obviously other players were higher, but they really liked him, and they were very pleased to get him in the sixth round. Yeah, it seems like a bargain, obviously. Uh, you know, the seventh round guy they got as a guy I thought would already be in the safety discussion in Geno Stone, given the, the Ravens need for, a, you know, a back end safety as right. well. But he's already on the practice squad. So uh, what do you know? Yeah, uh, that, well, okay. that, that makes up the entire list of the of the uh, developmental guys. So veterans playing for market value is a shorter list on offense than it was on defense, where that list is truly bulging and a lot of the money is being spent. The number of big contracts on offense is relatively small. I included the special teamers here to make it up to 10, so it's really only seven. Uh, Nick Boyle being the first. And I remember how much people laughed when they signed the Nick Boyle deal, and that was big news for the Ravens. But it turned out to be a pretty good deal, I think. Yeah, I mean, and he certainly provided more offense than we expected. Um, um, But, I mean, obviously, you know, his blocking is what he's here for. That's his calling card. Um, But it is certainly – you know, and, and once you lose Hurst, you see him a little more in the offense. And mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't certainly don't have any any complaints about that deal. Yeah, I like you know Boyle hadn't been a guy who'd caught any touchdown passes through what about midway through last year, and they finally got him the ball for a touchdown. But uh, he's shown really good uh, extended play work with Jackson, and he had a great extended play work with Jackson for the touchdown in this in this last game against the Eagles. Uh, play was extended, and and he knew just when to float out. Jackson had the trust in him to throw the ball up the two yard line. He got in that that play with, where Jackson shot put the pass to him at Buffalo last year. Right. I mean, is another is another extended play kind of you know improvisational thing that he was ready for it, even though it took him about three chances on the way down to, to yeah. hold that ball in. Anyway. Nick Boyle, we're, we're happy with him. Morgan Cox on the final year of his deal. Anything to say about him that we didn't already cover? No, I think we kind of covered him when we were talking about the um, the rookie uh, yeah. practice squad. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's a guy who could probably continue to play. The only thing I would say is next year when you're looking for some cap space here and there because it's gone down, That I mean, it's not like he's making a lot, but, it, you know, it, every little bit helps, and maybe that's where – you know, that's a little, that's a minor move you make to just create a little bit of extra space because this other kid is really good. Mm-hmm. All right. DJ Fluker, a guy we thought might be at guard. And and I, I do want to address this. I've talked about this on occasionally on the offensive pod, but Fluker, you know, it seems to be the backup tackle right now and they don't really want to take a chance with him is you know, my observation of this by playing him at guard, even though I think he'd be better there and probably be really ideal for being the physical mauler they need in a lot of ways. But there's two reasons. One is injury, and the Ravens don't have any other real tackles on the roster. Uh, you know, they'd have to they'd have to do something probably with moving Phillips to tackle, which I don't think would be as a, attractive, or bringing Will Holden off the practice squad to play. Again, not a good deal. The guy's played with a lot of teams. 
But the, but the other part of it is that they have three guys who are first or second year players at right guard, and boy, wouldn't it be a payoff if one of those guys can play? Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think you're probably right. They just they don't want to risk Fluker, um, and we certainly I think we feel the same way in a way that we don't want to see him, mm-hmm. um, or as strongly I should say, but at tackle at least. But yeah, I mean, I I, I do agree too that uh, that physical presence at at guard would be, I think, something that they're they're missing a little of. But um, I you know I think when we when we did this last time in the spring or summer, I don't know. After, after the regular season, it was, it was a, was it, it, it okay. would have been in January. Um, you know, I know that, well, so I, I then I, I thought it was, I was talking to you, but I, you know, the lack of a, a swing tackle is something that might be one of the more glaring roster holes they have right now, just mm-hmm. which speaks to the, the, you know, that they have a lot of great starters and, you know, and all of that, but that there's just so, um, you know, that, that's, that's the place where their depth is, is really lacking. Right. And I, that's a general um, depth uh, chasm and across the entire league is that tackles just aren't available. And COVID has made it worse because 19 or of something like 19 of 31 of the guys who opted out were either offensive or defensive linemen. So, right. you, you know, right. you had these high BMI guys really were taking it, you know, wanted to take, be careful with themselves. Uh, you know, Fluker's a guy, I, he's cheap. I don't think it'd be un, unexpected if the Ravens wanted him back again next year for the same kind of insurance policy he's providing this year. I don't know if he'd want to be back would be the problem. Well, right. And I mean, you know, I he, he signed, you know, on the later side. So um, I, I don't know. But it's not like he's playing to prove to anybody that he deserves more right now either. Mm-hmm. So. And of course, now they will have Andre Smith back next year, who was, I guess, the original was, you know, Plan A uh, for for the swing tackle. That's spot. that's so scary. Just you saying that out loud. <laughs> well, it was Plan A when at that point. Right? Yes. But the, off, the rest of the offseason didn't really do much to get rid of that Plan A. I guess Fluker did to an extent, and maybe you know, maybe that's why Smith. That you know, another reason Smith opted out. Um, but he was always one that carried way too much weight also. So, um, yeah, I mean, it would be, it would be nice for them to be able to use a, I don't know, a fourth round pick. And although they only, at this point, they only have five, maybe six, uh, with a comp pick, uh, well, next year, uh, draft pick. So mm-hmm. they're not going to have a lot of, uh, you know, options, but it would be nice to get a, you know, a young swing tackle, um, in the draft, because that's probably the only way you're going to get them signing a veteran. It means you're just signing a guy that's failed <laughs> uh, right. a tackle, you know, as a starting tackle. Um, and, you know, it'd be nice to be able to get that kind of swing tackle guy, um, you know, and that way you you got a guy that in that role for four years. And, if you know, maybe he becomes a starter in the third or fourth year. Uh, but for the time being, he provides that, you know, that nice, uh, you know, that nice uh, depth. But it's kind of hard when you're, you know, we, why you know why are we why are we drafting a true offensive tackle in the third round when we have Orlando Brown and, and Ronnie Stanley around? So um, I guess that's kind of hard to it, it, hard to justify in some cases, but I, I think it's very important. Yeah, I mean you need a developmental player. The Sanat pick was good in a lot of ways. It was a small school pick, so you had hope that DeCosta was finding value where everybody else had missed it. Uh, you you had a guy who was clearly a developmental player. It might take him two years to be ready, so it's not a threat to either either of the people. And he's a you know a player who can step in in an emergency, 
get you through two weeks, maybe. Uh, hopefully without five holding penalties, but you know, that's, it didn't, it didn't work out anyway. And it's, uh, it was a shame. All right. Robert Griffin, the third, the next guy on the list, obviously, you know, do you think he's adapted to the, to the thought that he's a career clipboard guy at this point? Um, I think the league has adapted to that. So I'm, <laughs> not sure, I'm not sure he has much choice. Um, I, I don't see any, um, yeah, you know, he could go somewhere where he might be able to, compete i don't you know i don't even see that but where that maybe maybe the quarterback um situation's a little shakier maybe i don't think he's getting a chance to compete for a starting job but he may be you know in that situation where i've got more of a chance to play here than than behind lamar um and you know i mean a lot of his what will happen with him again there's a place um, you can save some cap space. Um, so whether it's McSorley or Huntley or both of them together, um, that may be, you know, and at this point he's, he's as much of a mentor, I think, to Lamar as he's a backup quarterback. So um, maybe by then they don't feel they need it anymore. Yeah, that's um, that's where I think his value is. I mean, if you've ever heard him at the podium, he's incredibly intelligent, extremely well-spoken. Uh, probably just about more so than any other Raven. I can't think of the, of who it would be who really was a better, more natural public speaker. One of the things he gets, if you ever see these little things the media department does where they ask him to either reach in a box and feel what the thing is or, or they, they embarrass them some way by asking what was the first CD you owned, that kind of stuff, he knows exactly how to play it. It's always like, well, it was Spice Girls, actually. You know, <laughs> you know, I'm embarrassed by this, but that's what it was. He knows exactly how to make fun of himself in that setting. It seems to me he'll be a good announcer someday uh, okay. if, you, if he wants to go that route. Right. You know, maybe maybe transition to a coaching role, too, at some point. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I have a feeling that this may be his last year here. Okay. Huh. Sam Cook. Uh, you know, he's ageless, obviously, and now the most tenured Raven of all time. Yeah, I don't see him going anywhere. I know he's another guy for some reason that fans wanted. And not that they didn't like his performance, but, the, you know, he's a punter. So and we're paying him too much. And, you know, I mean, just, just last, you know, last summer when everybody was talking about uh, the kid they traded to Minnesota, oh, we, you know, it's time for Cook to go. We can save a lot of cap space and, you know. That's one place I don't want to save cap space, <laughs> I mean, uh, unless he unless he really falters over the next uh, ten or so ten or games in the playoffs. I, I don't see him going anywhere. And yes, you could you could save some cap space there, but unless you have a true, um, you know, rock star coming up behind him that you you found from somewhere, I don't see any reason for him to go anywhere. You'd really have to get it right because he's yeah. he's not only is he a great punter, he's the greatest holder in NFL history. I mean, yeah. I, I, there's just no doubt about it in my mind. I mean, you, Tucker would have nowhere near the success were it not for Cook. And, right. you know, Cook held for many years for Stover, many years, for some years for Stover as well before all this started. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things you just don't, you know, and it goes to Cox too, you know, you you don't want to necessarily mess with it if, you know, and um, unless, you know, at some point maybe you have to, but. Um, but certainly with the kicker and the punter and the punter being the holder, I don't, yeah, I don't want to see him going anywhere. Yeah. All right. New five-year deal for Cook this offseason. Actually, he's just – he's. I think he just actually got extended, right? Because he's he did. actually yeah, – He did. So – Last, last offseason. 
Let's go through some of the rest of these guys. We have talked about Patrick Ricard, obviously getting a fair number of snaps now this year on a fairly team-friendly deal, in my opinion, that lasts through 21, correct? Yes. Okay. You mentioned Willie Sneed earlier as being a guy who might have to give up his slot role. He'll be a free agent at the end of the season. There's no reason to, from my point of view, that he has to be back. It could be a right player, right place situation, right. but there's no reason why he has to be back. And he would have to, and I'm not saying he'd probably have to anywhere, but he's going to have to take a substantial pay cut to come back. Um, he's making, I don't know, $2 million a year right now. Um, I don't see him coming back at that price when you've got Duvernay, who's got you know wheels that he doesn't have. Um and, um, you know, who certainly so far has seemed like he's adjusted the NFL very well. And you got Prochet back there, too. So whether, you know, uh, so I, I just, you know, I, I think it's that that's one where you can, you're not cutting him, but you're saving cap space by not bringing him back. And, and that's what you have these two young guys for in the first place. Okay, so Prochet is a guy who has played basically zero special team snaps outside of being a, outside of being a punt returner. But uh, Sneed has only played a handful of special team snaps the last three years, but played more when he was at New Orleans. So the question for me would be, is he a guy who can go back to being a special teams player slash backup slot receiver and take a little bit less money to do it? Uh, or does he really want to go to another team and just be a slot receiver? Well, and that, that may well it? be true you know i mean he may want to try to find a team where he's going to get more opportunity um this offense is obviously limit has been limit opportunity now he you know he did re-up last year so for another year um but so far it's not like he's um i think his numbers are probably down from last year um at this point um so and that's just my observation but um so you know i think that's probably going to be part of you know, to extend his career as long as possible, I think he needs to go someplace where he's going to get a little more opportunity to see the ball. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. So he's, the nice thing about his about his the passes he's been throwing this year is that he's at almost ten yards per target, nine point nine, and that's a high catch rate. Figuring into that, and the Ravens don't have a ton of that with their wide receivers this year. You always pretty much get it with running backs, but you don't always get it with wide receivers. Right. So uh, uh, that's been that's been something he's done well this year. Ronnie Stanley, we talked about a little bit earlier. Uh, obviously, he's w- how they figure him out, whether it's franchise, 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 or figure out his contract value. The thing that comes to mind for me is that he needs to come to the come to terms with the notion that whatever his value is, it's going to be determined on F one, F two, and then all the years after that, meaning two franchise years p- potentially. Patrick Kerwin, Pat Kerwin always used to be able to lay that out for players very effectively. Or he used to, I don't know if he did it for players like that. He probably did it for agents like that. And he, did, he does a very well, good job of it on Sirius FM in explaining how you have to structure these deals. And if he's got two franchise years, I think, you know, he can't possibly make tons of money. Well, it's true. I mean, that's probably true because the franchise tag is going to be, I mean, Tunzel's is such an outlier. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's just, uh, you, you know, you never know what motivates the guys and what they're, whether I got to be the highest or whether it's just, you know, I don't know how to describe it. Or I don't know who his agent is. Some agents work it differently. Um, I can't, I don't know. I, 
I, I don't, I'm not as particularly optimistic about it. I mean, I know they'll franchise him if they have to, I would assume they would, I mean, they got to figure something out with between he and, and the two edge rushers. And I, I don't know, you know, the priority that all is going to be determined, you know, over the next uh, rest of the season, but I, I've got to think they're going to, Stanley will be here next year, whether it's the tag or whether it's a long term. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you just don't give up left tackles, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and he's, you know, I don't, I don't think he's playing at the same level he was last year, but he's been a little more bagged up too. Um, but, you know, I don't, you know, he's tried and true at this point. Um, so I just, I just can't imagine them letting him, him get away. Right. I mean, I agree. I think this is really the first year that Tunsil has outplayed him. And that's, that's, you know, that might be part of the problem. I would think the number for him is something like five years, a hundred million, maybe it's 105, 108 million, but I don't think it's five years for 110 million. If there's an F1 and F2 that are still front loaded on that. And Tunsil somehow gets a three-year deal at 66 million, which is completely incongruous with that because they presumably could have franchised him twice in a similar manner, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Same year of draft, everything. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Now he was, yeah, yeah, and they were, they well, actually, was Tunsil even a top ten pick? Thirteenth. So uh, yeah, so he would have been cheaper because the top ten under the old rules got higher, wow. um, got higher um, fifth year options. A great point there. That's that really would have been different then. Well, let's talk about the last year, and this is a guy we haven't talked about. But if when you talk about the franchise tag, is there any risk of losing Justin Tucker, who's a free agent, I believe, this winter? No, he just re-upped last year. Did he? he okay. Was, yeah, he just re-upped um, last offseason. So, I mean, um, offseason 19. Um, so, um, no. So, he, he's probably, I don't know, they add four. He had one to, one to go and they added four. Um, I'll look it up. But um, You're right. He signed through 23. I don't know why I had that wrong. I thought he was a free agent at the end of this year. No, they were proactive with him and got him done early. All right. Terrific. Terrific. Okay, he's basically at a five and a five point one million dollar cap number until twenty three. Yeah. All right. All right. That takes care of the players at market value. We already talked a little bit about Mark Ingram being a veteran cap value concern. I don't really see a re, a, a way they keep him. Uh, obviously, the injuries have started to pile up between week seventeen of sorry week sixteen I guess it was of last year when he missed a game, then not being really as uh, in top form for the playoff game. And then obviously what happened against the Eagles. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's, that's true. And obviously we'll see how it plays out and how he recovers and how um, Dobbins looks the rest of the way. But um, yeah, I mean, I think as soon as they drafted Dobbins next year was going to be tough for Ingram unless he really lit it on fire. All right. Got four players on the offensive side that are in the transitional category, and those are Trace McSorley, uh, Chris Moore, and Antoine Wesley, and DeAndre White. Now, DeAndre White, he's on the COVID list, right? No, he, no he's, Wesley he's a and White, they're both on IR, yeah. Okay. So they're not even, in some sense, they're not even really on the team, but they're on the roster because they're on IR, and right. presumably they'll be around to be dealt with after the season or, or before next camp, or maybe during next camp, if that's where it comes to. Yeah. DeAndre White, I believe is a veteran. So he would be a free agent next year. Wesley would be in his. So Wesley would actually be um, only in his technically a second year, even having spent his first year on IR. So 
I mean, he's going to be on the team, at least he's going to be on that 90 man roster, you know, during the, probably during the, uh, during the off season, but obviously him making the, the 53 is pretty remote. Right. Is, is, do you see any opportunity for Chris Moore to work his way back in on this team, whether it's I, to me, there, there has to be a dual role for players once they get to this point in their career, because it's too easy to get younger special teams players on their rookie deals, unless they have some offense or defense role that goes with that special teams role. Yeah. I mean, I would think not. I mean, this was his chance to establish himself as a Anthony Levine type player, I guess we'll say. Um, but obviously so far that hasn't happened. Um, and now that, you know, uh, some of the younger guys are, are you know, uh, basically have assumed his role um, and they do have more of a dual, you know, dual threat, so to speak, uh, dual purpose, maybe better, but because I don't think more is a threat uh, on uh, as a wide receiver. But so, yeah, I think that's probably I think this is probably his last year. And again, he might be a guy they signed for the veteran minimum again and um you know he's on the 90 man roster and only makes the 53 if you know there's such attrition in front of him that you know somehow he, he's the next man he's the first man standing or the last man standing however right. direct want to look at it i mean his current position is not one that is stable he can't be on the 53 but not on the 48 man active roster and have value to the ravens he's got to be activated and playing a lot of special teams to be right of value yeah. i mean you'd rather at this point you'd rather i Personally, I'd rather have Geno Stone than, than him on the roster. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, you can put more on the practice squad. If you, I think, you you know, for your future, that's a better proposition at this point. But obviously, that's not the direction they've gone. Yeah. That that may still come later this year. That's a good point that uh, that, that, that could be it. Well, Brian, thanks again for joining us for these. These are always Absolutely. outstanding discussions. And uh, let's tell people where your work is again. Sure. Uh, so I my articles are on Russell Street Report. Um, it's kind of my quiet time, but uh, once uh, you know, once the all season kicks in, and you know, what are we going to do, and how much money do we have? That's always uh, now they have more cap space these last well, depending this year with the with the uh, drop in the cap, but you know, last year and uh, and for future years, it looks like they're going to be in a little better shape. So my role is a little less. Um, how do we create? It's not the how do we create space? How are we going to figure this out? Uh, like it has been over the past decade or so. Um, and then I'm on, uh, you know, Twitter at at, uh, at Raven Salary Cap, and that's my place to, you know, break as much news as I can, or when breaking news happens, you know, try to get numbers out as quickly as I can to, you know, put some context to these signings. That's outstanding stuff, and and I think people are foolish if they don't tag at Raven Salary Cap at the end of their cap questions or their cap suppositions. Uh, it's something I always do kind of as a, as a way to uh, cover my own rear end when I'm, when I'm out on a limb in terms of cap knowledge I don't have. But Brian, always appreciate having you on. And we'll have you back on for these shows as much as you like. It's always a great discussion with you. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. All right. Now, Josh, what, what do we need to remind people about otherwise? My bookie. Go over there, use the code Ravens, and hopefully win yourself some money. Thousand bucks. I can't believe there's an offer of matching dollars that high, but that sounds really good. Yeah, that's not uh that's not my wallet to throw a thousand bucks on here as a gamble. But I did enjoy matching my hundred bucks. <laughs> All right. Well, terrific. Uh we'll we'll uh have the normal schedule of stuff returning for week seven. 
with the game after the Steelers with an offensive defensive article uh, or uh, article, of course, but also the podcast that go with that. I know your foe then uh, for the week after our know your foe this week will be Alex Kozora of the Steelers, a great guest. Hope you'll tune in for that tomorrow and we'll talk to you next time on film study. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.